Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today I am going to explore the story of a man named Nicholas Bauman, who had a profound impact on the early pioneer era of Kalamazoo as a brewer. He was a German immigrant, and he not only started a brewery, he also was a developer and a capitalist in general, an entrepreneur that helped establish some of the early industry and jobs in the growing village of Kalamazoo. So come along and join me. Now, Nicholas Bowman was a local brewer. He was also a capitalist and a developer. And he became involved with a variety of business dealings over the course of his career. And that was in Kalamazoo. Now, he built more than a dozen stores in Kalamazoo during his time there. And he served several terms as a city official. And he was an active member of Kalamazoo's vibrant German community. So he was born in Schifferstadt, Bayern, Germany on 25 January 1828. And Nicholas was the youngest son of four children born to Anton and Maria Juliana Baumann. Now he attended school in his hometown until the age of 12, after which he apprenticed for three years as a silk weaver and another three years as a machinist. In 1849, the bright 21-year-old, likely traveling with his older sister, joined thousands of other 48ers who fled Germany, hoping for a better life in America. They were called 48ers because there were many Germans that came over during that year. The Baumanns traveled to Antwerp, Belgium, where they boarded the American Bark Belvedere for the journey overseas. After more than two months at sea, they arrived at the port of New York on April 26, 1849. From there, Nicholas traveled directly to Rochester, New York, where he found work with a lumbering firm. He was just 21 years old at that time. And then in 1851, he met and married Miss Catherine Horn, a native of Bavaria, who was living in Rochester. After the birth of their son James in 1853, the Baumanns traveled to Pennsylvania, where Nicholas pursued the lumbering business on his own for a time in the Allegheny Mountains. Now, in 1855, the Baumanns headed west, and they found their way to Kalamazoo, where their son Frank was born. Now, after working for a brief time in a local boarding house, Nicholas purchased two lots on Winstead Street in the Rice and Van Walker Edition area. And there he built the first of the local breweries that he was to become known for. Ballman uh, managed his Portage Brewery for three years while continuing to buy and sell property in town, most notably residential lots in Cody's Editions on the North Street area, and the Den Bleicher edition on the southeastern portion of the village. Around 1862, Bauman became involved with a significantly larger brewing operation on the west side of the village. Established in 1847, the Kalamazoo Brewery on Arcadia Creek near 
Waldo Stadium today, had failed and was put up for sale in 1852. Following an ownership change at the brewery, Ballman entered into a partnership with brewer George Fogel. And their business progressed nicely, and by 1865, Fogel and Ballman were the largest producers of the four local brewers at the time. Following a disastrous 1867 fire, Ballman formed a new company and rebuilt and expanded the brewing company and called it the Kalamazoo Steam Brewery. And if you look on the 1874 map, which there was a printing of this map in the Kalamazoo Telegraph in 1864, it shows the Kalamazoo Brewery on the map, and it's indicated that it is a Fogel and Ballman Brewers of Ale and Lager Beer, and it states that it is the highest market price in cash paid for barley in our brewery, head of Main Street near Eamon's Foundry in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So they were soliciting growers of barley to come and sell them their crops so that they could uh, get the first dibs on the best quality barley. So after 15 years or so in the brewing business, Ballman sold his share of the Kalamazoo Steam Brewery in 1871 to further pursue his interest in the loan business and real estate development that he was interested in pursuing. And during the 1870s, he built several noteworthy commercial buildings in Kalamazoo, including the Ballman Block on the southwest corner of Water Street and North Burdick, and the building on the northeast corner of Rose and Water Streets, later known as the Shakespeare Block, and also a popular billiard hall and restaurant on East Main Street called the Peninsula. And there was a quote in the 1877 Kalamazoo Gazette that reads, if you want a good and fine glass of lager beer, go to the Peninsular Saloon. I have just received a shipment of Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Also, I keep on draft the celebrated Kullenbacher Lager, also the famous Pilsener Lager, free lunch from 9 to 11 o'clock a.m., also a first-class lunch counter in connection. Shell oysters and clams received daily. N. Ballman. So in October 1875, Ballman opened a billiard hall and restaurant called The Peninsular, and in this three-story building of what was then the 114 East Main Street address, replacing an older structure and saloon of the same name, he did this in partnership with Fred W. Stein under the name Stein and Ballman, later F.W. Stein and Company. The Ballman's new peninsula featured a lavishly appointed saloon and billiard hall on the first floor. It had a restaurant, sample rooms, dining rooms, and a kitchen on the second floor, and a public reception hall and ballroom on the third floor. Although extensively remodeled since the recently restored building, still stands at 113 East Michigan in Kalamazoo. It's not to be confused with the Peninsular Building on the Humphreys Block at the corner of Michigan Avenue and Portage Street, which is incorrectly identified as the location of the Peninsular Restaurant that was built by Nicholas Ballman. So that's 
a point of architectural significance that sometimes gets misunderstood when you're looking for the old building in Kalamazoo. And there's a great article on this that I'm referring to today from the Kalamazoo History section of the Kalamazoo Library. And I will put the link to this article in the description if you're interested in, in seeing some of the maps that they have included here. It is a very detailed and worked out um, as to where all the locations were in the early days of Kalamazoo. And they draw from 1877 maps and 1875 maps that are available from the Library of Congress and also at the Kalamazoo Public Library. So in addition to his business dealings, Nicholas Bauman was an active politician and both locally and nationally. He was a member of the Odd Fellows Fraternal Organization, and he was also a member of the local German Workingmen's Benevolent Association. And he was a village trustee who served on the Roads and Bridges Committee, and he also served one term as Alderman of Kalamazoo and eight years as Kalamazoo's Chief Engineer and two years as the Street Commissioner. So he was very involved in community politics and serving the community in different capacities during his time in Kalamazoo. Now, Nicholas Bauman's two sons learned the trade during the 1870s while working as bartenders in their father's Main Street Saloon, which was called the Peninsular. They formed the N. Bauman Sons and Company, in 1879, which included Nicholas, James, and Frank Bauman with Abner Baker. And they began manufacturing farm implements in the North Rose Street building. The boys carried on the manufacturing business through 1881 as F&J Bauman. And then James also operated a men's clothing store on North Burdock Street for a time was a saloon keeper himself and a member of the local fire department's Eureka Hose Company No. 1. Frank partnered with James K. Evers and Otto Buechner in the hardware business and later with Aaron Conger in the retail trade. Frank and Son would also become prominent local property developers in their own right. So after seeking medical attention in Europe, Catherine Bauman became ill and died in 1889. Nicholas suffered from ill health as well and also passed away in 1895 at the age of 67. His funeral ceremony was officiated by Reverend Caroline J. Bartlett. The Baumans were buried in the family lot at Mountain Home Cemetery. So this article that I drew from today was written by Keith Howard of the Kalamazoo Public Library staff, and it was published in March of this year. And it was a very well-written account of Nicholas Ballman and his family, which had a significant impact on Kalamazoo with its early uh, business development and establishing a brewery. And Kalamazoo has a very fascinating history. And I just wanted to start profiling some of the people that came from Kalamazoo and helped build the village, which later grew into the city of Kalamazoo as we know today. And as I mentioned before, there's some great photos of that area of town taken in the 1870s. There's a photo of North Burdick Street that shows the Ballman block and it's uh, isolated in the photo with a uh, sepia tone so you can see which building they're talking about where his stores were but 
It also shows the, the wagons and the horses hitched up along the street and uh, a couple of people standing on the street and there's the signs on the old businesses. So it just shows the old era where you have uh, this pre-automobile era. The streets were dirt. The uh, main transportation was wagons and buggies drawn by horses or foot traffic. Now, Nicholas Bauman was not entirely the only German immigrant that came through Kalamazoo. In fact, from its inception and in the different communities around southwest Michigan, there was always a diverse culture of people from different ethnic backgrounds that migrated to the United States and settled in southwest Michigan. And they offered different cultural and religious backgrounds as well. And many were just seeking out ways to put down roots and add to the vitality of the area. In the latter half of the 19th century, Kalamazoo saw a significant rise in the influence and clout of German immigrants many of whom brought to the Kalamazoo area skills and knowledge that would contribute to both their prosperity and add some dynamic diversity of businesses to Kalamazoo's Gilded Age. From 1870 to the beginning of World War I in 1914, the city directories were filled with German names connected to successful businesses and also houses of worship and civic organizations around the city and there were brewers shoemakers painters tailors grocers and blacksmiths and of course the city's bustling haymarket district was steered by several prominent german-american merchants who operated businesses out of the city's large commercial buildings along main street edwards and burdick streets and it was the savvy late 19th century businessman who understood the value of locating their business in close proximity to the Michigan Central Railroad Depot and also the Grand Rapids and Indiana Railroad Depot. So there were a lot of these uh, early German merchants uh, that became pioneer settlers in the Kalamazoo area. There was Samuel Foltz, who was a clothing king. He owned a clothing store on Main Street and Portage Street, and he was a prominent merchant during that time. There was the partnership of Meyer Desenberg and Samuel Rosenbaum in the late 1880s, and they had a grocery store, a tobacco, and wholesale business. Then there was Carl Kleinstuck and Anna Janice Short, who made a uh, successful business with dairy farming along Oakland Drive. And then there were several hotels. There was Adam Ehrman, a German immigrant that uh, bought the Columbia Hotel in 1897 and expanded in refurbished the old dilapidated building and successfully turned it into one of Kalamazoo's most crowned inns of the era. And then there was Otto Ithling, and he was a businessman who had been involved in the paper producing industry, and he had originally been in Milwaukee, and he moved to Kalamazoo in 1869, first as a bookbinder and then as a printer. And then he was the head of Ithling Brothers and Everand, a company that focused on the production of blank books, journals, and catalogs, as well as government-bound publications. And they had a large facility that was housed in a building on Main Street and Edward Streets for a number of years in the city. And as I mentioned in another episode before about the 
cigar industry that was in southwest Michigan, there was a pair of German brothers, David and William Leilenfeld, who were the city's largest employers in the late 1800s, and they struck it rich with cigar manufacturing, the Lilly Cigar Company. And they also had um, a trade in wholesale liquor sales. And today, if you want to stay somewhere in, in Kalamazoo, there's the Kalamazoo House, which is a bed and breakfast, and it is run out of the Lylenfeld's South Street Mansion. So that's an interesting connection to local history in Kalamazoo from the Lylenfeld brothers. So that's just a quick look at some of the early German settlers that came and played a large part in the establishment of Kalamazoo and its commerce. There was a rich array of civic organizations that they formed, as well as houses of worship that they were involved in. And the German settlers found community and identity in the plentiful activities outside of the realm of their commerce. And they were different organizations that had a unique expression of their German culture. And this was a, in a time period that was prior to the rise of anti-German sentiment that developed during the two world wars. So these strong German communities were largely Catholic or Protestant, and there were also some German Jews amongst the mix of them. And they didn't really have a lot of the conflicting religious or social differences as came later when you reach World War II. But there was just a very lively community in Kalamazoo, and they played an important role in building a lot of the early infrastructure and commerce in that city. So I just wanted to share some of that history today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a review or rating on whatever app that you are listening on. Also, I have put a new link on the show note descriptions where people can subscribe to the channel where you can hear additional new content that um, I have put into that area. And it just helps uh, support the channel a little bit and offset some of the operating costs I have with this podcast. So if you want to subscribe and pay a few dollars monthly, that would be um, a way that I can offer you some more uh, content that's uh, exclusive and maybe expands on more individual points in the future. I've got four or five episodes on there right now. And I will be adding more as time goes on and hoping to build up the subscriber base. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And if you want to come and see me at a performance at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, I'm working on a presentation with Dave Eddy, who's been a guest on my show before, as well as Jim Jackson. Both of them are historians. Dave Eddy was a prominent radio figure in Battle Creek for well over 50 years. And we're going to be putting on a show about some of the history of Oak Hill Cemetery, sharing stories in this two-hour presentation about local history, focusing on a lot of the people that made and built Battle Creek and other areas of southwest Michigan that uh, maybe crossed through Battle Creek during that area. Oak Hill Cemetery was founded in 1844, so the stories that are in that cemetery are uh, quite interesting. I've done a lot of videos on my YouTube channel over at Oak Hill Cemetery, and I'm always 
fascinated when I learn a new story or I dig into a new person's life that I'm researching out there and I find so many more interesting clues about the early history of the city. And of course, that's where I live. So I spend a lot of time doing my research there in local history. But I also like to branch out to cities like Kalamazoo and other parts of Southwest Michigan on this podcast and just get a broader knowledge of the entire region, which is the foundation of Tales of Southwest Michigan's past. So if you want to come and see me at that show, I will put the link to the description. It is on July 29th at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, which is located at 307 West Jackson Street in Battle Creek. And tickets are available for $10 to that performance. It's limited seating to about 90 people. So you're going to want to jump on that as soon as possible and get your ticket ordered. Uh, They are for sale on Eventbrite which is what the link I will put in the description. And if you're in the Battle Creek area listening to this, you can always stop by the museum. We do have some print tickets available as well. But that's going to conclude today's journey through history. And I hope you'll join me next time when we take another look into yesterday and we travel back into time and find out even more fascinating stories of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.